Welcome back to the OPEX podcast, Fitness Explained. On today's episode, I'm joined once again by OPEX founder, James Fitzgerald. On this episode, James and I discuss Mix Model, OPEX's brand new online course. We discuss the International Functional Fitness Federation and the plans for the federation going forward into the future. And finally, I asked James about his three-day mentorship program. Guys, this was an absolutely outstanding episode with James. And I hope you really enjoy it. Thank you so much for making time. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. It's always good to be here with you. I love the t-shirt, even though the listeners won't see it. The big dogs representing. I got to say just one thing too. I love these black rings that everyone's wearing nowadays as their wedding bands. Well, this, yeah, this is the, uh, well... Small story, but I lost numerous different uh, wedding rings of high cost and low cost. <laughs> um, this is the, I think, sixth iteration of my wedding ring. Um, I didn't ask for this one, though. I did a, a podcast with 321 Go Project, and they sent out rings. Oh. Uh, they're extra, well, they're like mobile, you know, they're mobile and uh, flexible, et cetera. So that's an exercise ring. And uh, then. You didn't have to get remarried every every time you lost it by any chance. Yeah, it's been fun with Leanne. We've been married six times. We go through <laughs> that joke. Um, and that's the O-ring. The O-ring, yeah. I had that uh, for I had that two years ago, I think. I got the initial version of it, right? And uh, I was uh, I used uh, three other heart rate variability and biometric devices at the same time um, just to prove that they all give different scores and they have all their own secrets of... Uh, what the scores are. Um, but I wanted to push them against one another. Um, I jokingly say, so I could figure out which one said I could work out and which one said I had to stop. <laughs> and the, the aura always seemed to be the best one. So I just stuck with that one. No, honestly, I just put the aura on because, uh, um, a couple of months ago, I just wanted to track my, uh, sleep and activity again, um, as a metric. And, uh, just like I look at my food every couple of weeks for a few days to kind of see exactly what totals and kind and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, the, I can just imagine him with all those biometrics. I like you. Cause you tell me what I want to hear. Yeah. That's whoop, whoop wins today. All right. So today's topics, we have two topics to cover. We've got mixed model and we have your apprenticeship. I, yeah. I can just I can just think about all the listeners like he's doing an apprenticeship. It's about time <laughs> uh, with all that goddamn knowledge inside that noggin of yours. But uh, we'll start with mixed model if if mm-hmm. that's okay with you. Um, yeah. And I have specific questions that I've been given by by the by our, our marketing director to make sure that I tick off. But uh, as I said, listen, we can wrap on this ourselves all day. But listen, mixed model. Give us the overview. Like, what is it? Who's it for? How long has that project been rattling around in the head? Man, uh, well, I think indirectly the idea only the past uh, couple of years. But because um, I always said when I, I guess I started into that area through CrossFit and sport participation in that area, I had always seen it as like a really long-term project just to understand, not to teach others about, but just to understand. And uh, I think just because I've been in it for long enough and um, it's probably the right time where someone puts some things on paper to kind of 
create a framework as to what it is as a sport. Um, so it, that it's, it's kind of taken that time, you know, two decades now, a decade and a half of being there in the sport. Um, yeah, I just wanted to stick my neck out and say, these are the things that you may want to think about when uh, you want to have discussion on it. Um, so it's that initial document, I guess you could say that, um, I'd like to evolve over time, but I wanted to be a part of, uh, just teaching people about the sport, you know? So originally it was going to be a book, but it's morphed into a digital course. Yeah. So tell us about this digital course. Like what, 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 yeah. what, what can people expect? And, and also like, why did it morph into this course rather than <laughs> book? Yeah. Uh, well, um, we kind of thought about it as, uh, what we had typically done in the past that, that really connected people, um, that got them in a, one place and, and I, you know, language or just hearing me discuss some things also is a different way of learning than just reading through notes. So there's things that I talk about in the videos that, you know, are personal antidotes or, you know, some, you know, I get to drop some things on paper that you got kind of get to see it in action, you know, or drop some things on the whiteboard or the white table. Um, you get to see it in action. So it was our past Robbie of being able to do digital education and full video courses combined with this opportunity to have this document to put it together, to be something that, you know, people could, uh, it could sink in. And it's a new way of, it's a new way of getting a book, you know, it's a, it's a more expensive book, but, uh, it's a new way of people uh, getting education. Yeah, I think as we spoke in a personal conversation a couple of weeks back, the advantage too of having it as a digital course rather than a book, it makes updates so much more easier. Yeah. You know, yeah, so like I can evolve it. Yeah. I can change it. And yeah. I mean, I even got ideas. We're getting close to finishing it up now due to just that reason of filming and editing and putting it all together. <clears throat> but even the course has changed since December. Yeah. as to what's inside of it, you know, with the changes in the season and the changes in the sport. So um, it's been good. I can hear Emma Robinson already. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Emma, <laughs> any chance we could? No, no, it's fine. For <laughs> no, we can't do that. No, not with James's brain. I'm, my brain's the same. It's like, oh, I can make this even better. It's like, but it's yeah. only been out a yeah. week. It's like, yes, but my mind, uh, I'm, I'm like, we're like gut bacteria. Like we can ch change our DNA like that. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, the theme is the same, but yeah, it's uh, just wanted upgraded. It's just human nature, I think, for some of us to want that. So how how is the content on Mixed Mode different than what already exists out there in terms of other digital courses? Uh, other digital courses? I don't think there's other digital courses out there that specifically, uh, you know, speak about the sport. Um, I think there's there's excerpts, you know, there, you know, people that may have, uh, different versions of like, I don't even know, actually the digital course on barbell cycling. I don't know. I don't know if there is, I don't know if there's a, a digital course on the bioenergetic progression inside of the sport. Um, so I don't think there is one out there. So to answer the question, Aside from the, the training principles and training aspects, do you cover nutrition and mixed model for the mixed model? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, not to an in-depth degree, uh, not to a large degree, I should have said. That could probably be a, a course unto itself. But standalone, yeah. yeah, it could be a standalone. Um, I would say that what would be inside that course would be, I guess, more for the scientist uh, involved in you know, the manipulation of different things. 
Um, but I don't think there's a lot of, uh, you know, secret things inside of that proposed course that would like be the game changer in the sport. You know, it's basically, uh, yeah. uh, people having, a you know, um, a fairly resilient terrain. Um, and if they can eat Twizzlers and a whole bunch of shit for eight years, they're probably going to, probably going to do really well. Uh, I'm not saying that that's the prescription, but do you know what I mean? The, to, to argue out, uh, the, the, the health of a, of a kind of a carbohydrate in a sweet potato over white rice. If you're going to go down that route of argument, um, it's not even worth having education on it. So I hit it on a level of like, what is, what is actually being done in the sport? Uh, what are the principles around what that fuel should look like for the actual demand of the sport? So just so I can quiet the whole conversation on health versus performance nutrition, right? Mm. Uh, which always gets like intertwined unfortunately oh, with fitness as a sport uh, that that horse is well dead at this stage between us well between you and i it is but yeah uh, i know yeah. i know come here shifting gears a little bit um international functional fitness federation yeah. talk talk to me about this talk to me about the sport of functional fitness talk to me about the goals and the aspirations of getting into the olympics talk to me about why you felt that organization needed to be set up or you needed to be a part of setting up an organization along with, along with the other co-founders and people who are involved. Um, because I think that that will give listeners even more frame of reference as to why mixed modal came about, like why that's out there now in the market because of this push to have, you know, something that's a real governing body of functional fitness. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Mix, mix model wasn't um you know made due to those changes for IF3 should oh, just no. correlate that it was just at the right time it just kind of made sense oh yeah um it's certainly the IF3 notion that Gretchen pushed a couple of years ago certainly did like highlight hey like this is the last this is the last straw you really have to like put some kind of definition around that yeah. and there's aspects of what's inside of IF3 that's contained within mix model but it's all like about the sport <clears throat> The IF3's goal is to just create governance <clears throat> and, you know, a, a body that basically says, like, this is the sport, this is how it's run, mm. there are some rules and regulations, there is, like, qualifying standards, there is, like, different levels of tiers of competition, there is a progressive route in skills, there's a coaching education future going to be wrapped around it, we want to move it towards an Olympic ideal right? Um, the ideal would be if it does get to the Olympics, it's like our crowning achievement of governance. You know, it doesn't mean that we have to get there, but that's our, that's, that's our big rock goal. Um, and I think it's a very admirable one. You take all your, everyone's, you know, uh, shitty preconceptions around the Olympics and the Olympic ideal. I still hold it to be very positive in my heart and soul around what that means for global sport participation, no matter what it looks like. Um, and so we're, we're pushing towards that for 2028 and then just reverse engineering everything we need to have in place in order to make that happen. We currently have 30 countries that are, uh, recognized, you know, as, um, governing bodies and we have seven to 10 in the works right now to be completed, which will get us to the 40 mark, which immediately pushes you up in terms of recognition of those, uh, bodies below the IOC that say, Hey, this is a legitimate sport we should take mm-hmm. into consideration for putting on a global scale. Um, so that, uh, 
that's where we are there. That was more around an update of it, but that's that's the goal for the International Functional Fitness yeah, Federation. Yeah. yeah, I just to me personally, I think that like, and I know what you're saying that um, mixed mixed modal like it didn't come about just because of um, the IF3, but it, I think just again for the listeners. You know, because there's a lot of people, and this will actually just lead me to my next question. Like, say I'm someone, I come from a real traditional strength and conditioning background, I re- and I don't have much of a clue of, like, what is mixed modal? What is functional fitness? Like, and what, what is all this about? Like, I mean, so if someone wants to ask you, like, you know, what is functional fitness, James? What, what yeah. is this? What, is, what, is, what, what do you mean by mixed modal? And, like, where, where should I start in my journey in, into updating my knowledge on all this? Yeah, it's a uh, weekend event. Um, of fitness competing, uh, where people uh, compete as individuals in male or female categories. Um, and generally, it's six events over a weekend. And those six events have different characteristics of fitness tests. And the two main buckets that are tested in terms of fitness is maximal contraction expression. So how really strong and versions of strong can you be? And then the other five are multiple different versions of capacity with lots of varying modalities inside. Mm. That's what I would say the sport is. So the sport is you've got to express all different kinds of fitness capabilities that include aspects of cyclical modalities, gymnastics, body weight, and or loaded mechanisms. And all that is together really on a weekend of six events. And the whole sport and everything wraps itself around that ideal. And there could be different versions that have like three events over two days and 18 events over five days and one of two event over four days, et cetera. It's all roughly the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all, you know, skewed down to, you know, um, these, you know, I, I, used, I like to say like 15% of the time is a max contraction scenario mm-hmm. and 85% of the time is metabolic variance. Very good. And is, is mixed modal then if, if I'm a coach and I had someone approach me to want to compete in something like IF3, would mixed modal be a course that would help me in that endeavor to coach that athlete? Oh, oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I think to a, um, I would say to a really in-depth level, it would, Mm. you know, like the the deepest level. Um, I don't think that uh, it may be necessary to just like get people knowledge around the sport, but it would certainly be like the deepest possible level you could go to get that information. Yeah. Yeah. Just this is more, uh, this is just more of a selfish question. My part, the other way we're both nerds. When, when you were looking at categorizing, you know, the six events across, uh, across the competition in, in IF3, how did you categorize that in your mind? Like, I know you're big on variations and contractions, but did you also look at, like, categorizing in terms of, like, biomotor abilities? Like, I want something for strength. I want something for explosive strength. I want something for speed. I want something enduring. Is that kind of where you were going? And then, obviously then like how like expressing those how do you have like a certain category of modalities that like right this modality goes well for strength expression this goes well for cyclic enduring this goes well for power how how did that look about in your head yeah the main thing that i wanted was um when you think about it it's a it's a big undertaking i wanted to develop a sport um and i wanted to also you know your your biases of what comes down to what you develop in the sport 
mine has always been, I want balance. Yeah. Um, and I want the athlete and the coach to be able to look at the sport and say, you know, how do I critically think about what I need to do best in training to mm. get the best at this sport? Um, I didn't want it to just be a survival of the fittest. Yeah. Cause that doesn't, that you can't create longevity of a coach and athlete career if they don't know what's inside the sport. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to create that. Um, I have, I have a long, long history of, of, uh, sport testing and fitness testing that I, I, I go into hours and hours down a rabbit hole in my own brain on, you know, what that is and balancing things out. But I did want specific things tested because I wanted that athlete number one to survive and be able to express it fully but also to look at it and have to have some structure in their program to come and try to beat those tests. Right. And if my, my point was, if you just like did anything and everything and you wanted these tests, those are probably not good tests. Yeah. Right. Those are probably not good tests. Cause that just, that just goes to show that it's just a weeding out process. It's a Navy seal thing, you know, take 10,000, try to drown them all the top 100 who don't want to drown. Oh, those are our most fit people. Well, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe, um, it just depends upon your definition. So mine was to test, uh, the, these categories, right? Aerobic capacity, um, a version of strength. We call aerobic capacity endurance now, but aerobic capacity, uh, versions of strength with complex weightlifting maneuvers, um, body weight endurance. So lots of reps with body weight, uh, body weight skill, which is really kind of like, you know, low level gymnast, strict gymnastics challenges, um, traditional mixed modal, which is just like a whole bunch of shit together and figure it out. Um, and then power and at the end, just true expression of one to two minutes of just like all out guns ablaze and let's see how you do. Um, and I looked at all those and said like, you know, you could wrap a training program around that. You could, you could create fitness around that. You could, you could be really, really weak in some areas and round out your overall fitness by training to get better at all those. Um, and of course, Robbie, you know, I wanted people to be able to look at the sport and go, okay, that's what that's, I understand that that makes sense. Like you're testing all of these things, right? Cause if you look at the sport outside of how we define it in IF3, their answer is, oh, they're just wads. Right. But the answer to like, well, what are you testing? It's like, well, it doesn't matter. It's just whatever's most entertaining. Well, that's not the best answer for, for what's inside those fitness tests. Right. Or it's like, well, we want to include everyone, <laughs> which I just giggle at because it's like, well, that that's admirable, <laughs> but now it's not a sport anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, now it's a 5k run. Right. Yeah. Uh, keep, keep the, keep the 5k run lanes open for three hours. Cause there could be someone who wants to walk through it. And, you know, hooray for the person who wants to walk for three hours during a 5K run. Do I have any judgment against that? No. But I'm just saying that we do want to create these standards of a sport setting, qualifying standards to get in. This is what it looks like. You know, go for it. So yeah. that's a short version of what I was thinking about. There's a lot more to it. You know, it's complex for those of you who've been involved in trying to design a sport. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think your 5K analogy there is the difference between competing and completing yeah or i call it competing and participating but yeah. you are right it's it's uh, the same language um it's funny because anytime i've heard you on other podcasts like kind of talking about what you just answered on there i always laughed myself because me and you are so alike in in how we think in that like my sort of issue with you know other forms of 
um, fitness as sport is that it can't, it can't be measured, you know, so like there can never be a progression, a proper progression model put in place for long-term development because it was so randomized and it was just like, there was no structure put in place. And then I suppose the answer you always got back was like, well, it's not, it's meant to be unstructured, you know, it's, and it's just like, ah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you can still clearly have a structure or blueprint in around this and, and allow yeah. an athlete to optimally prepare. And uh, now we can track metrics and now we can, you know, th- there can be, again, as I said, there can be an objective way to measure progression. And in the long run, it's only going to serve us because being able to gather more data going forward is just going to allow us to open up like more of these doors, these questions we have about like, what is fitness, you know? Like, so, I mean, there's just so many answers or so many questions that we have and to just kind of say, Oh, well, it's just, let's just all just throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. It's like, yeah, we can do better than that. Yeah. Um, and I think that, uh, there's this, there's this group that's starting to understand that the more and more they participate over time and we just know it to be the case. It's not just like a really small percentage that think that way. It's a, it's a large percentage. Now they're starting to recognize that <clears throat> there has to be a timing involved in peak maximal expression. Right? So here's the argument of the other side, right? It's like, well, you got to be fit all the time, ready for anything. It's like, oh, so you're practicing the sport at the highest intensity all the time. It's like, uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. And then you watch them training and they're not doing that. Right. So like for eight months, they're just like, exercising and posting on Instagram about how fucking hard their training is when really they're just like wiping their brow and going, Oh, that was a good training session, you know, but everyone else thinks they're like busting their ass and they're promoting the fact that they're doing really intense shit all the time. Right. And then when it comes close to a competition, you can start them seeing less Instagram posts because they're getting serious now, right? Shit's real. And they're getting in that hard zone. Mm. Then they show up and compete. So that's just the point of, showing you that the, the tide has changed where there's a little bit more authenticity and knowledge around what goes into training because of social media, we can actually see it in place all the time. Right. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, there's lots of irony to it as well because the whole system is promoted by this social <clears throat> perspective on health and wellness and the intensity will fix all. And they're trying so hard to just sell that idea, even the athletes inside of what they do, I work hard all the time because it, and it teaches me all these things about life, you know, and then you look at their training. It's like, actually you, you were at 50% for the past six weeks. Like you've just been sweet ass taking your time, learning skills and getting better and recovering. Yeah. Um, and people are afraid to say that. So the, the, the knowledge and information that's shared, shared out there, it makes more sense. Now, a lot of people are in base phases for long times of, periods of time or what you and I would call accumulation or accumulation versions. Right. Um, and then there's tough phases where they like, you know, get more intensive and kind of refine shit and get prepared for a comp. Then there's a pre-comp phase where they're like testing out the waters and doing hard workouts and during tough training. And then they just like go right into the competition effectively and shine. Um, and, uh, there's those that structure that, which is what I'm trying to do. So people get recognized and there's others that say they don't structure it, but they indirectly structure it. <laughs> oh my Robbie. Oh my. You know, I, I'm smiling and laughing to myself here. Cause, uh, what, what I was going to say to you, and you kind of touched on it there was that like, like purely like just organically over the last number of years as this, as the sport went on that's how it went. Like people's all people's training went all structured. Cause they were like, because e- even the sport itself started to become more structured. You start seeing the same things over and over again because they're like, Oh, like 
it, like it almost subconsciously was happening to people who were programming the events and then the top guys who were training for it and, and girls it was all like your training is completely structured <laughs> like, there's, yeah. no, there's nothing random here like you know what I mean? it organically just subconsciously grew on that level yeah and that's a uh, like i say in mixed mold too we have to we have to look at those programs and learn about them yeah you know just see them in a different eye and what the tough thing is though robbie it's tough to grasp the idea of self-organization and resilience mm. right it's untouchable so it you know so for me to be able to explain it especially coming from my background where people think i hate a lot on the sport and the sport development it you know it's tough for them to get past that deconstruction right <laughs> but i'm saying it because it exists not because i want it to be my way <laughs> it's like that's just the way it is i don't know what to tell you but it's up to everyone's uh, whatever they want to think you know yeah all right, uh, wrapping up here, we want to talk about this apprenticeship, which I'm not going to lie, uh, I want to do, and I'm pretty excited about it as well. Yeah, I would love to have you a part of it as well. Um, Absolutely. As a, as a, Absolutely. Someone who's not you know, in the sport daily, it, uh, I, you know, that's the idea around is to have other people come in who can just look at it and go, oh, that's fascinating. Here's the principles I can extract from the sport, or these are the things I can add to what you guys can think about. Well, James, like, like, as you know, and we're both in the same category here, we're both universalists. Um, did I even say that word right? But anyway, we're, we're both, am I saying that word right? Universalists? Would that be right? It's not even a word, but you know, you know, you know what I mean? We're, yeah. we're, we're like the, the kind of, one of the common things I find myself saying lately is nothing is in isolation. Everything is connected. And I, I would see the OPEX apprenticeship just like the Altus uh, ACP, whereas like, you go to Altus that ACP week and majority of the time it's like coaches from other sports because they mm -hmm. realize the principles that can be grasped and applied. And it's going to be no difference, no difference to, you know, an apprenticeship with you in, in any regard, no matter what it is, there's principles and, and, um, Again, yeah, the keyword is just principles that can be taken and applied to any fitness situation, be it with a pro athlete, be it with your general Joe and Jane. So like, yeah. To me, to me, like just three days with you, no matter what the topic is, there's going to be something from that that can be just filtered into any aspect of performance. Yeah, because we had, uh, for example, we had a um, chiropractic student and a uh, a full time PT, um, and uh, you know, two coaches, two athletes and one gym owner plus coach there last time and, uh, or the, for the first time. And, uh, you know, I, I do, I place on the table, these concepts and ideas around, you know, what's inside the sport and uh, progressive models, the, you know, um, motor learning consolidation of skills in a metabolic environment and how that's different to other consolidating skills, you know, topics that any coach from any sport would be like, Oh, that's interesting. Cause when we put consolidating skills together, this is our premise, this is our goal. And we can go, well, this is why we need to do it that way. How could, how could we learn from what you're doing and what does, what am I saying on my model that makes it of interest to you? So the, those plus other topics, big ones, which um, you gave me a leading question as to what I'm going to answer it right now. So we'll say it again, but the progression of skills and consolidating skills, I think is the most interesting thing that has come about over the past decade for my learning in the sport that really, really is something to hang on to. It really is something to hang on to. 
And the, the, the layman's reason why it's so interesting is that, you know, skills are one thing and how skills move into great expression. But uh, there's never really been a time where it has to be tested in such high demand of these skills that need to be moved into a really challenging metabolic environment. And so there's something that happens in terms of like the consolidating and progressive patterns of those if skills aren't moved in this progressive pattern. So I just find that a really great topic, which we hit on consistently, um, as well as isolated things like what a pre-competitive period should look like in a big picture scenario. We talk about uh, functional volume, like what is actually required in the sport as being the missing link for coaches to like connect, you know, well, what, what program should I do? It's like, well, what's the sport? You know, are you, are you talking about one workout that's eight minutes long and are you preparing all year for that one eight minutes or are you preparing for three days in a row, three competitions each day? And then I just teach coaches how to reverse engineer what's required in the training to get them to express all of that. And most times it's an hour long conversation where their eyes are just like, wow, that's a lot of work you got to do. It's like, yeah, well, that's, that's what you defined as the sport is like saying, uh, you know, let's get good at hockey. Okay. Well, we know what hockey is, right? You play three nights a week and these are the things you need to do. Right. Imagine if all of a sudden they're like, oh no, NHL hockey players, Pittsburgh Penguins, you're going to play two games on Friday, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Do you see how that totally changes the training for the sport? Right. So people never, never think about that. They're just like, oh, you just, good, you just snatch as much as possible and do a Metcon and you'll win. It's like, well, that's, that's one workout, right? You got to do two more that day plus three more the next and then three more the day after and express all of them. So those are the things we discuss in apprenticeship that any coach could come in and offer some insight into. Uh, and, and, and then there's also, oh, yeah, by the way, you could go into a workout and you just got a phone call, uh, had an argument with someone, and now your emotional state's all over the place. That's going to like have a different outcome on your skill acquisition in that moment of time. There's like, just so many factors. And the reason why that came to my head is I had Sean Mishka on my own podcast there. The episode will be coming out now in a week or two. It's an it's a absolutely brilliant conversation we had because I went through it when I was re- doing editing the show notes, so I got to re-listen to it. And, you know, Sean gave an example of he had this NFL player and like Sean was training him and, you know, Sean is all about the, the, the constraints of that approach and environment, organism, task. And, you know, basically Sean's all about like training and learning should be ugly. Like, you know, if someone's really learning and, uh, but he was just saying that he had one of his guys who was one of his best movers and, you know, was very good in terms of just, um, just his skill acquisition capabilities and, and you know he had a big toolbox for affordances and he was just a great mover but he said then at one session his fa- one of his family members just appeared out of nowhere at a train session and he said it destroyed him said he was all over the place discoordinated didn't know where he was going didn't know what he was doing and Sean was like it's just amazing like that everything impacts your acquisition at any moment in time so I think like we like most coaches could appreciate oh yeah fatigue and different contractions and you know energy system demands and like they could appreciate that narrow scope in terms of impact on someone's skill acquisition at any moment time but then there's the whole like your emotional and mental state your blood sugar the sleep before looking at a blue screen literally just the night before literally minutes before you read something on social media just as you're about to go out for the event that could instantly like just so many things and I know you appreciate this too. You'd kind of touched on it there a little bit earlier on. It gets into this, what really seems to separate some of the greats from, you know, the good is like just this savage perseverance, like these mindsets that 
it's like we just still just don't understand. Like we, you, you know, you've touched on with Froning and um, and fucking Matt. Like they just they have this like extra like something in their psyche that just allows them to be able to like be more robust in terms of like not being uh, not being not letting perturbations throw them off their expression of their fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the which talk is talking about mindset and uh, yeah. I love, you know, I love what you mentioned about Sean. He was on our podcast too, right? Because I listened to portions. He, he, wa- he was, yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah and I, he discussed something about that as well that I thought of with, for the environment and that emotional changes that occur. And uh, yeah, that's that's where it's so, uh, yeah, it's just, it makes your job worthwhile. That that really is. It makes, you know, you coaching people in the sport, like there's there's, it, it means something. Otherwise we would just print off a Google sheet and people would just follow, you know, it's like here, just do this and, and you'll get better. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I don't get anything out of that. So, um, I love the aspect of, uh, recognizing, um, where the person is, um, what do they need that day and what are all the principles that surround all of that? I just find that so, uh, so much, so much enjoy, enjoyment in that because it, I can teach other coaches, obviously, but then coaches can leave the apprenticeship, for example, and uh, have their eyes opened up to seeing the sport in a, in a more, I guess, uh, professional, um, worthwhile way, you know, and then they, they can give, let off all the, the shit that's surrounding it. So just tell me more about the apprenticeship. How, how long is it for? Is there any, yeah. is, there any appren- is there any apprenticeships coming up date wise um, in terms of booking a place or finding out more about it or costs? Where, where can people go? Yeah. Uh, no, on the last three questions, we just had a beta version, just okay. basically see what that was like, but, uh, people can look forward to seeing that come up in the near future. Um, yeah, it's the, the structure that I'd like is, um, um, what works around my schedule for creativity as well as my brain and my day. Um, so there's three days where, uh, you exercise first thing in the morning time. Um, uh, that is part of the recommended schedule. Um, and then, uh, we get together and have breakfast and start the day. Um, and, uh, basically, uh, on the first day it's intro and kind of getting to know what's going to go on for the next little while, but conversation. Um, and then we go out on the floor and watch the athletes train based upon what them knowing they have to do for that day. Um, and they get to see interaction and tweaking and organizing the workout program and, there's conversation on the floor too, because of generally what's involved in that training, depending upon the time of year. Um, after that, we finish up in detail what just went on and debrief what was on the floor. Um, then we have lunch together and then we discuss some topics towards the end of the day up until around noon, uh, to two o'clock, um, of just, uh, topics, you know, broad topics or the things, the aforementioned things I talked about, um, where we don't have to be like super, you know, intense on critical thinking, but we just get to have a conversation on some ideas and do that for three days in a row. And it's been a lot of fun. And do you plan on just keeping that at HQ? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it may change. It may change for, you know, specific areas and satellite locations where we can do it. Um, the only factor then in that would be, um, the athletes that we'd want to, you know, be, be looking at or watching on the programming as example, I'm sure that could be like created, uh, by all means, but I, that's a real, you know, great portion of the, like, you know, for all other apprenticeships, it's just great to see the, the athletes in, in action, 
Um, so it just highlights all the stuff that we talk about, you know, and we can use them as n equals one, n equals two. To, to be honest, this is just me personally, but I, I think like there's something like nice about like having to go to OPEX HQ too, you know, like, yeah. you know, as in like it, it I, I think, uh, like I know it could be at a satellite location, but there's just something nice about going to the home of OPEX and, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's your baby as well. And uh, yeah, I, I think, Plus, anyway, Arizona's a great place to visit. Scottsdale's a nice Yeah, place. and I mean, I, you know, and being biased, too, I like being here. It's a great spot. Um, I, yeah, I think, you know, HQ is a great spot for people to visit. And that's still open. I mean, everyone knows that, including yourself, that, yeah. you know, just come on by and see what we're about. Our doors are open. We don't hold any secrets to stuff, you know. Um, so it's just, uh, yeah, it'd be great if it was always here. <laughs> uh, just got uh, two, two more here for you. Um, just with regards to mixed mode with the coaches who have gone through it or most of it, have you gotten any feedback? Yeah. Um, preliminarily, I would say that a lot of the stuff that I'm proposing inside a mixed model is probably new to a lot of uh, coaches. So um, the feedback has all been, you know, like, oh, wow, that was interesting, you know, or, you know, I never thought of, I never thought about it being in that way. Um, so that's, that's generally been the feedback, um, outside of that, uh, it's not fully completed. So all the other feedback is like, where's my notes and how, when are you going to be finishing this puppy off? <laughs> Which is fair. It's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good question to ask. Um, but due to the timing of it and we wanted to just get it out there to get started, um, you know, people will just have to wait a little bit until I finish up these, uh, notes and videoing, which is coming wait for my neurons to finish working it's funny you know it it reminds me of a story you'll like this i don't know you you may have if you listen to the interview i did with joel jameson on our on the opex podcast you you heard this then but uh joel's story about you know his book ultimate mma conditioning he uh he started writing that book and then he put it on pre-sale and he was like i'll put in pre-sale see see if i get any interest and he got a ton of orders and he was like oh shit so he, like, he had to write it. And like he said, he took him like another, I think it was a three to six months. And he was like literally getting people going, where's my book? You ripped me off. And he was like, no, I swear it's coming. It's coming. And then there was like some yeah. issue with the self-publishing, the whole self-publishing thing and the shipping. And oh, he was just like, never again. But he was just like, it was just so funny the way he felt. And he's so funny at telling stories like that. Like he was just like, just like the way he was like, oh shit, this thing's actually like happening. I have to do it now. Yeah, the... uh and it's it's fair you know it's fair they, they i think we have uh the same ideas in mind where it's like you know people just want to get their hands on it right now so let's just start it you know and it's because it's digital and they can just get in and out as they want you know there's a lot to consume but um yeah i understand i understand their perspective <clears throat> and just so you know on my end i'm just as excited to kind of complete it as well it's just getting time in to put it together exactly uh the con the the content of the three the three day apprenticeship. Do you plan on ever recording that? Do you think going forward? Yeah, the first one has been recorded. So oh. uh, in the future, we have we in the future for the you know full on apprenticeship, we'll have that for sure, full recorded. And uh, will that be like um, will that be something that'll be available just to the attendees, or do you plan to put that no, available think, to everyone? Yeah, I think that'll probably be a public uh, opportunity for okay. folks. Cool. Simply because of it, um, a promotion material, um, also to give people insight as to like what, you know, what we do inside there. Yeah. Um, you know, the apprenticeship is not a, I'm not looking for it to be a scaled money-making situation. 
it's an opportunity for uh, me to share ideas and to get feedback from people as to what they think of those ideas. That's what the apprenticeship is, you know. All right, wrapping up here, what are you reading at the moment? Mixed modal. (laughs) Uh, I shit you not, I got my three books there right in front of me and I'm as I, as I finish off these last pieces, I have to make sure the language of all the other chapters are together. So mixed modal is uh mixed modal is there right now. Besides that, some odd articles that clients will be sending me from, from anywhere and everywhere. T- t- tell me this, just let, let's say just for whatever reason, for whatever reason, this is the first time someone has come across you. Oh yeah. Um, what is your fascination with language? So, because uh, you you mentioned lang- you you mentioned language just there, and you often oh. do mention language. I, I mean, mm. just in terms of messaging, you know what I mean. Something you speak about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If this is someone's first time hearing you speak, they go, "This guy speaks about like putting a message out there in language a lot." Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. When you first said language, I was I was thinking of like languages, but I think uh, I probably just learned from people over time. Um to just be precise on words and just try to, for my own personal, it's my own personal goal is to like learn about refining of language and, and speaking correctly. And I think there's just something, there's something uh, really good in a message that's aligned correctly, that has great intent. Um, and that really means something. Right. Um, and I just don't think there's a lot in, other messages or other languages when they're, when it's just language for the sake of language. So choosing words correctly and, and um, yeah, it's about, it's about that. I think that's what my attraction is to it. Well, this is just a question from me to you and that the, the, this is like, who, who's Bernie, but was Bernie an influence in that? Oh yeah. I mean, he was the master of that. Um, yeah. yeah. He was just a master of it. So um, I've had numerous people though, that all indirectly said the same thing in a different way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally so are you, that's your reading um, podcasts I know you've been listening to me and you both been listening to Rogan lately he's nailing it with some of his podcasts oh yeah did you listen to the latest one with Jack Dorsey uh, no I just heard a clip uh, from another uh, conservative good. podcast <laughs> or another option of one um, that uh, was just talking about it um, being in America uh, this is the greatest thing about being in America is that there's definitely accessibility to every area of the continuum of belief um, and, or, or of you like your perceptions and, you know, from uh, to the fucking world, the, the world is flat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I listen to all of it. You know, I think, I think there's some good things to hear from everyone's story. Um, and then you can formulate your own opinion on stuff. So my Rolodex of podcasting is, is uh, pretty heavy. Like, uh, last night, um, was last night, yeah, I went for a walk and I listened to four. Uh, I went for a long walk with my little dog. I was like 90 minute walk and I had it on two times speed. Um, I went through the, the daily, uh, New York times daily, and, uh, they have their own, like, I guess more left version of the story. So they were, they were telling a story. Um, and then I listened to, uh, an NPR episode uh, around, um, uh, Fox and the white house or Fox television and the white house and all the connections. Sorry, j- j- um, just, just for me, uh, cause, uh, obviously I'm Irish. What exactly is NPR? Cause I've heard you mention it a few times. It's obviously an yeah, American. Yeah. Is it a podcast or a radio station? No, it's a publicly supported national public radio. Okay. okay. Yep. Yep. I'm a founding member here in our, in the Valley for hours. 
Um, and I listen to that every morning as well as a 20 minute hit on kind yeah. of a that's where I, guess, I heard say, central yeah. perspective on uh, on views and what they what they uh, speak about. Um, yeah, and then uh, Hidden Brain uh, uh, was a great episode. Um, and then I finished with, um, oh man, what was the other one? It was this two lying down. And it was it was another. Oh, it was a a TED talk or a version of a TED talk by this guy uh, Grant Adam Grant. Mm, um, he, wrote, he, was, he wrote the originals. He's yeah, he's an organizational psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and his shit was fascinating in, in terms of uh, um. Yeah, just putting together thoughts. So you know that that's that's what I listen to. He, he he's actually a super wrapping up here now. He's a super interesting guy because when I was reading Cal Newport's book Deep Work, he uh, he mentioned Adam Grant like, and he just talks about like his productivity is like like astronomical. Like he apparently he's the youngest ever professor to get ter- t- tenure. Like, yeah, I, I, and I don't know if it was ten like the youngest ever in America, but he was definitely like, the youngest in the university he's in. Um, yep. but like he's supposed to be super productive. But it was really funny. Newport was saying like that like there's times where uh like let's say like you were you were emailing adam like and you were you were professor at, on the same campus as him and you'd email him and the email would come back and say sorry i'm unavailable i'm away at the moment and then you'd be there i just saw him walk across the campus today <laughs> and like cal newport was like yeah but adam in his mind is like i'm in working zone so yeah, i'm i'm, unava- I'm unavailable yeah right now uh-huh. so like literally like you team adam like walk across and go no 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 i'm not here i'm invisible no. Yeah, so it was just so funny. Like, apparently, he's a production machine. Like, oh yeah, no, it was it was well put together. Yeah, definitely. James, listen as always. I absolutely love talking to you, and uh, no doubt the yeah, listeners love this. Um, that was phenomenal. So I'll just wrap up here. So for all the listeners, everything that we've mentioned will be in the show notes. And uh, yeah, that's all we got for you today. Until next time, peace.